Welcome to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, a branded podcast from Worthy, dedicated to celebrating women like you as you embrace a new beginning after divorce, separation, or whatever. I'm Mandy Walker, and I'm your host. Consider this. Your diamond ring, bridal set, or other diamond jewelry can be a hidden financial asset that helps you with that fresh start. But selling jewelry can be a nightmare. Worthy offers an easy, headache-free solution by partnering with you to help you sell your jewelry and get the best deal on your piece. Our quick and easy process means less work for you and more money when you sell, all done from the comfort of your home. Visit worthy.com to learn more. For this episode, we're talking about the non-moneyed spouse. What do I mean by that? Well, in all marriages, there's a division of labor. It's often based on who's good at what. And on the money side, what I often see is that one spouse, and it is often the man, handles the financial management. He knows the complete picture. He knows the marital balance sheet, what's invested where, and he knows the financial goals. The other spouse may be somewhat involved, but is often limited to paying the household bills. And that works as long as the marriage is working. But when the marriage ends, it means the spouse who's been handling the bills doesn't have the big picture and may not have the financial education to understand it. That's what we mean by the non-moneyed spouse. And it's a huge challenge. It's like drinking from a fire hose. It's overwhelming. But just because you haven't done it before doesn't mean you're not capable And here to guide us through this conversation is my guest, Jennifer Lee. Jennifer is a financial advisor and founder of Modern Wealth and the author of Squeeze the Juice, Live with Purpose, Then Leave a Legacy. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you so much for having me. I am so pleased to have you on to talk about this topic. And, And maybe before we can get into some of the mechanics of it, I wanted to ask you about why some of us are so willing to delegate our finances to our spouse and why do some people find the whole sort of money thing so daunting? You know, it's interesting. I've built a, I've built a practice with clients who aren't interested and are a little bit intimidated about dealing with money. And Oftentimes, it's really not that they're, it's certainly not that they're incapable or not intelligent enough or not resourceful enough to figure it out. It's that it's not of an interest to them. It's not their natural gravitational force to, to talk about finance, to be planning about assets and be interested in those type of subjects. And so they just, if you're in a partnership that's a healthy partnership, they lean on their partner who has an interest in that. Yeah. So great for marriages where there is one partner that has an interest. I'm guessing marriages where neither partner has an interest, it becomes even more of a problem. But then when the marriage ends, if your partner has been handling it all, you have to go through like figuring out your budget and understanding your current situation and where you want to be. And is it helpful to kind of break down that whole topic of finances into those like smaller areas to make it more manageable? 
I think any part of the financial education is important. And and ideally, you have it as a couple and you're learning bits and pieces of it as you go along. I mean, any healthy couple should be having meetings with their advisor at least once a year together, whether you're interested or not. It's a little bit of a grin and bear to really know where assets are and and contribute to planning and moving forward. You know, unfortunately, when you go through a divorce, all of a sudden, I like to say it's where emotions and finances collide and it's a big mess and it can be (laughs) overwhelming for the non-moneyed person because not only were they not interested in it, but they don't even know where to start. You know, these are deep conversations that you need to be having with a trusted advisor and hopefully somebody who has an aptitude for talking through some of these things. You know, financial planning doesn't have to be complicated. I I like to say financial planning is simple. It's what do you have and what do you want? So what do you have is what are your assets? What are your income? What are your resources? And then what do you want? Where do you want to live? What do you want as far as your lifestyle? What kind of cash flow do you need? And our job as an advisor is to help put those things together. You don't have to know the in-between, but I need to know what do you have And I need to know what you want and where you're going to be going. And sometimes going through divorce, sometimes even in a happy marriage, you don't know where you want where you want to go. So um, gaining clarity on what's important to you, what your values are and where you see uh, your future, where you want to be living, what your lifestyle looks like. That's a, a critical component. So two thoughts on that. One, I was going to say sometimes like, I mean, divorce is a, a really challenging time, but one of the upsides to it means that you get to decide where you want to go and what your financial goals are. And you don't have to agree that with a spouse, which I guess, you know, is sometimes an, an obstacle because you might have, you may not agree on what the goals are. That's absolutely true. So there's a lot of freedom and a lot of positive things that yeah, that you can look at in, in a new beginning and in a change in a relationship and moving forward. Of course, the challenge is really understanding what are those resources that you have at your disposal and discretion to, to uh, make that future life. So how, and this is my other question from what you mentioned earlier, is how accessible are financial advisors? Can anybody work with a financial advisor or do you really need a certain amount of assets to be able to work with a financial advisor? Well, I think that's an excellent question. I've been in the business for 27 years. So in the beginning, a new advisor will talk to anybody at any time for any length of time. So um, I think I, I think there's a litany of access to to newer people, maybe not the most experienced people if you don't have assets and resources. But I, I think certainly the first part is asking questions and starting to um, be curious about things. I think in an ideal world, what you do is you talk to your friends, you talk to colleagues, and you get a couple of names of people who they think might be a good fit for you. And I always recommend to people that you have a conversation you know, a 20 minute conversation with a, with a potential advisor to see if it's a good fit, to see if you have any sort of rapport, to see if you feel like you're being heard or listened to, or you feel like they're talking over you. It's a relationship and hopefully a relationship that lasts a lifetime. 
and you need to be able to be open and, you know, money can be unnerving and scary and intimidating. So you want to have somebody who can and who will feel supportive to you. And I've got two more questions from there. So my first one was, let's say you and your spouse, the spouse who's been handling all of the money, already have a financial advisor. Yes. Does it make sense to stay with that financial advisor? Or what are your thoughts there? So I think it depends on what the relationship is. If you're the non-moneyed person and you really maybe go see the financial advisor once every three years because your spouse drags you there, I think you most certainly need your own and somebody different. I myself have worked with couples as a happily married couple, and then they go through a divorce. I've been able to retain both clients at times. Certainly, that's because I have a rapport with each one individually, and they understand and feel that when I'm having conversations with them, it's specific to them and it goes no further. I think it just depends on the depth of the relationship. Most times, the non-money spouse goes and finds somebody else. So maybe it would be, you know, it's smart still, like have interview, just do like interview your existing advisor as well as two or three other advisors, and then you can make your decision. Absolutely. I certainly don't think it hurts. You know, again, it's those same questions about, you know, do they really understand your situation? Do you feel like they are asking you the right questions? Do you feel like you can open up to them and be having meaningful conversations about what your life looks like moving forward? And are they going to be an advocate for you? And are they going to certainly, you know, they need to have core competencies of being able to, to manage your assets and help you make good decisions. But it's also about how is that facilitated and what is that process? It's already difficult enough, right? So you want it to be a reasonably pleasant experience. Right. And at what point, I mean, our our show is about people who are experiencing divorce. So at what point would you suggest somebody bringing in a financial advisor? Do you wait until you've actually, the divorce decree has been issued and you have everything or do you start ahead of time? That's, that's an excellent question. There's a, there's a funny quote in a movie called the other woman And uh, Cameron Diaz says, you need to get your ducks in a row. And, um, and she's talking about, you know, the, the, the wife needs to get her ducks in a row and really understand where are things. And so I think it depends on what's happening in the divorce. Is it uh, a collaborative divorce and Hey, we just fell out of love. We, we care about each other and, we're an integrated family and we want to make sure each other's okay, but we just don't want to live together anymore. That's the ideal scenario. In that case, I think you can, you can do it together. But in a situation where you're the non-money party and you're thinking that you want to exit the marriage, I think you have to be armed with information. You need to have some knowledge. Oftentimes the non-moneyed spouse Maybe they're the homemaker. Maybe they're the caregiver for the family. Maybe they're everything but the breadwinner. And in that case, you may feel, they may feel like they don't even know where to start or what they have. So I do think in that situation, it is 
valuable to have a game plan, valuable to have information so that you can make sound decisions about the next step. Not necessarily talking about being secretive per se, but you need to know what your options are and what the potential impact is. Right. Right. And I think that um, bringing them on sooner rather than later, I've seen a few situations where that's helpful because when we're talking about how assets get divided or even some of the terms of the financial agreement, a financial advisor has, could say, well, I don't think you should commit to keeping that those particular assets because I think there are other options that are more suited to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's, there are so many financial landmines that you can make on a, on a Tuesday, let alone going through a divorce. So the more information that you have and that your advisor has in terms of understanding what you really want to accomplish, because, you know, again, it, it doesn't have, I mean, financial planning is complicated. We, we love what we do and it's not that complicated for us. But what we need to understand of the client is what are you trying to accomplish? What's the end game? What does your life look like? Where will you be? Uh, Will you be happy in a townhouse? Will you be happy in a condo? Are you going to move to another state? Are you not able to move yourself from the family home? You know, that may or may not make economic sense. And our job is financial therapists. It's um, talking through these different options. It's laying them out. In the end, of course, it's the client's decision. But sometimes our job is to is to maybe, make, maybe make informed decisions or maybe like model out. Well, if you decide to do this, this is going to be the impact that it has, and then they can choose whether that's the impact that they want. That's absolutely right. And sometimes they don't like what they're hearing. (laughs) Well, Jennifer, I have a lot more questions for you, but we need to take a short break right now. Listeners, my guest is financial advisor, Jennifer Lee. You're listening to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle. We'll be right back and do stay tuned to get more tips on how to get up to speed on managing your financials. Moving past divorce is hard enough without your old engagement ring staring you in the eye every time you open your jewelry box. With Worthy, you'll find a selling partner who will help you transform your ring from a symbol of the past to a financial asset to help you start fresh. Worthy takes care of everything, from insurance coverage to secure shipping, professional grading, and more. So when you're ready to sell, visit worthy.com. We're ready when you are. Welcome back to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle. I'm your host, Mandy Walker. And in this episode, we're talking about being the non-moneyed spouse and how you can take control of your finances. My guest today is financial advisor, Jennifer Lee. Jennifer is the founder of Modern Wealth and the author of Squeeze the Juice, Live with Purpose, Then Leave a Legacy. And Jennifer, before we jump back into my questions and our conversation I wondered if you could share with our listeners how you came up with the title for your book. It's an interesting story. My father was an advisor for many years, and so I grew up enjoying the the industry and understanding a little bit about about money. And so 
you know, I'm, I'm definitely not the non-moneyed spouse, but squeeze the juice is really something he would say. And it's, if you think about it, it's, it's like, if you have an orange, you squeeze it, you're getting the juice. There's lots of stuff that's left over, but you got the best of it. So the basic concept is squeeze the juice out of life, out of an experience, out of this podcast, out of a conversation, out of an interaction with the child. It's about getting the most and the most out of your, the best and the most out of your life. So it's really get, I, I like to say, you know, let's squeeze the juice out of this experience, a vacation, a relationship, a conversation. Well, that's a, when I read that in your book, I thought well, that's a really interesting kind of legacy that your father has left you with that mindset of, you know, whatever you're doing, squeeze the juice out of it. And it's like, I was just saying earlier, what there is a kind of a silver lining to a divorce ending, but on the financial side, you get to set your own goals. You absolutely get to set your own goals and you also get to set the tone of the divorce. You know, I, I like to say, be your best. You know, we, we all strive to, to be the best version of ourselves. Sometimes we're super successful. Other <laughs> days we're not. Um, I had a morning myself. So, you know, we, we're close to work in progress. But it's, it's just a matter of, you know, learning from, from life. Life hands you, hands you stuff. And so what are you going to do about it? So try to squeeze the juice out of it. See the silver lining. See what what good is going to come out of it and move forward. Thank you. So talking about moving forward, you said one of the things that financial advisors like to talk to their clients about is cash flow needs. And to get to cash flow needs, you need to know how much you're spending each month and what your budget is. And I understand finances, but the thought of a budget still makes me groan. I think most people groan about budgets. But I was thinking as we're prepping for this conversation is perhaps, you know, having a budget for your life after divorce is perhaps one of the most urgent things that you need to do. It absolutely is. And I would even say, unless you have $25 million or more in assets um, (laughs) and no need to be that mindful about cash flow, everybody needs to know what they have available. So you know, I'm having these conversations for 27 years of my career, and um, you're trying to to make these subjects relatable. You say the word budget, and people just um, oh. fall away, <laughs> turn their head. They just don't want to do it. And so I try not to say budget. I'm not, I try not to say any restriction. I've got a, a client of mine who's an attorney, and she says, you know, don't talk to me about budget. I will just make more money. And I said, okay, so like there's in, in finance and life, money is a tool and there's only two things you can do. You can make more or you can spend less. Okay. So, all right, those are your options. So let's talk about very simply and I'll do it. Sometimes I have to, um, it's a little bit of tickle torture, but I say, just give me 10 minutes and open your account online and we're going to talk through these things. Okay. How much is your mortgage? You know, how much is your... And we just go through cash flow. What is what money comes in less what has to go out? Okay. And when you subtract that down, you get what I call your discretionary number. That number is the amount of money every month you have to spend on at Costco to go to the movies, to buy shoes, to get your hair done, to do something for your kids, 
to go to Starbucks, whatever it is. It's at your vacation. It's at your discretion. You get to choose. So let's be intentional about what that money is for, especially when you're going through the process of looking at recalibrating your life after divorce. What is it going to look like? Hopefully there's plenty of money. But keep in mind, you're taking one household, you're dividing it in half, and now you have a lot more expenses if you add them together. Right. So it, it just fundamentally costs two people more to live apart than it does to live together. So it does. There are always going to be some challenges with that. I do love your idea about like maybe getting through this conversation without mentioning the word budget. I know here in Col- I'm in, based in Colorado. The Colorado courts here require people to submit a financial statement and there's a whole section on expenses there. And I tell people, you know, the court, that's the section of the financial statement that the court pays the least amount of attention to, but you, they still want you to fill it out. You still have to fill it out because I think the court feels that doing that gets you really stares you in the face with or brings you, confronts you with the reality of this is how much it's going to cost you to live each month. And I think that just as we're playfully saying people people run away from the idea of budget, I think the non-money party, certainly going through the emotions of a divorce, it could really just stop them in their tracks, right? It could It could really just stop them and have them be unable to proceed. That's a mountain that they've never had to climb that is intimidating and, you know, That's where you need a divorce coach to help you process through that, or you need uh, the combination of that and an advisor um, to walk you through what those things look like, because it just can be too overwhelming and you won't do it. Right. So, I mean, and I think the, in what you were saying is you'll actually help walk your clients through the process of figuring out their cash flow, their monthly cash flow, their annual cash flow. And then when it comes to goals, I'm thinking too, it's so many people, when I talk to them about divorce, they say, this is my first time through this. I have no idea what I'm supposed to be doing. And so I think me being a professional, they're looking to me to say, well, you need to do A, B, C, D. Let's talk about that. And I think that's the same with financial advisors. When you ask somebody to, well, what are your goals? If they're, they're the non-moneyed spouse, the, the goals are going to be different, but they may not have ideas about goals. Like I was thinking, you know, breaking it down into, you know, what are your immediate goals? Do you want to, do you need to pay off a credit card? Do you need to build an emergency fund? I mean, how, how much handholding can you, do you, what's your advice there? It is a lot. Um, hopefully you have somebody who's with you on that journey. I've got a client who has been with me, I think, nine years and uh, five years we were going through her divorce together before we even had any assets to manage. And it's, um, you know, it's part advocate, it's part financial therapist, it's giving feedback, it's giving perspective, it's, it's, it's making sure that that person doesn't quit too soon through the process because some divorces are messy. And I find that as women, we just want to be done. Let's wrap it up and be and move on. But there is a lot of handholding and a lot of, you know, I think that it's a, 
For my practice, it's a conversation and I'm unearthing what's significant to you. My clients, the non-moneyed people, are not coming into my office saying, I got to get a budget. I've got to get savings and emergency money because put up the car. I need new tires. They're, they don't, they're not even, they're trying to make sure their kids are taken care of, do with their own emotional health, make sure they have enough money to pay the bills. And so, you know, it's really a conversation or many, many conversations about okay, are you going to work? What kind of income do you have? Um, if we sell the house, what will, you know, this, this house will, your portion of the proceeds will generate X number of dollars, you know, that will help with an education account for your kids. That will help with your income and your cash flow. There are a lot of conversations and a lot so, of pain. So I'm hearing too, that this is not, a, it, you know, it's not one and done. It's like you said at the beginning too, like an annual meeting with the person who's handling the the money this is this is that's why the choice of an advisor is so important is because it's an ongoing relationship it it truly is certainly and i think that when you interview people and there's a lot of advisors out there and there's a lot of good ones and there's a lot of subpar ones i'm always happy to go into a gymnasium with 100 advisors cuz I, I i know i'll do okay but, you know, that's, it, it's critical to be having those conversations. What is a relationship with you, Advisor A, going to look like as I'm going through this process? It's going to take six months, a year before, you know, I'm through this divorce process. What kind of conversations are you going to be having? How frequently? And I, as women, I, I think you're going to trust your gut a little bit. You got to ask some questions. And um, sometimes it, it wouldn't hurt to bring a friend with you. Right. Especially maybe in the early days, because I think yeah. sometimes, it, you know, like I said, it is overwhelming and it's really hard to take it all in. And a friend would be helpful to say, well, to be able to help you unpack it and process it after the meeting. Even ask the questions you were too anxious to ask. To ask. Right. And then, you know, we're getting close to our time, but one thing I kind of wanted to emphasize is, you know, and I think this is, you know, has a lot to do with your emo the your relationship with money is like to really see your advisor as they're not somebody who is a like the the gatekeeper or the the parent, somebody who's going to punish you when things don't go quite according to plan. But my own experience this year was we had something unexpected happen and as a family we really needed to get away. And so I, and I didn't have cash for a trip. So I called my financial advisor and said, this has happened. We as a family desperately need a trip together and to spend time together. Where can I take the money? And so, and there was nothing, there was no conversation about, well, do you really think this is a good time to be taking the trip or, you know, da, 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 da. It's like, here are three options that you can do. Yes. And, that, and I think that that's just, I want, I, I would like our listeners to really understand when they're working with a financial advisor, they're there to help you make those decisions and yeah, to make sure that you're aware of consequences, but they're not there to, to chastise you or to, I think, you know, we think about money and that we're not doing it very well. And so somebody's going to tell us off. Yes. I, I think that's a good point. And it's, and it's a delicate balance as an advisor. Sometimes I will even say to my clients, listen, in the end, it's your decision. In the end, 
I want you to, you're, you're going to make a decision. My job is to educate you about the different choices and the impact of those choices. Certainly in your situation where you had a, a family event that everyone needed to connect, that's more important than anything. And money is a tool to allow you to have that connection and that time together. And that's really what our job is, is to help you wield the tools of your assets as efficiently and expertly as we can. Thank you, Jennifer. I wondered if you, and I'm springing this on you, I had one last question. I wondered if you had an anecdote about your own financial journey that you could share with our listeners. In what, I've got so many. In what, in what context? Maybe something humorous. One of my one of my friends, you know, twenty years ago, sent out a little email. Is when they send out like a little email survey, like, "What's your favorite sound?" And I said, "Mine's the sound of a cash register." And <laughs> you know, uh, another. You know, when I was growing up, I used to ride a, a bus. My parents sent me to uh, private school, and it was forty five minutes away. And so, you get dropped at the bus stop early in the morning, and you know, a teenager is hungry in the afternoon. So I would go into the grocery store in the morning and buy blow pop candies, a bag of them, and buy Snickers bars, a six pack. And then at three o'clock in the afternoon, I would sell them on the back of the bus. So I, I think you, you know, it's it. Your your money story is um, your first memories of money. I think that's a fun conversation to have with people to really understand where they're coming from, what their history is, what they were taught as children or not taught. And that impacts how we view things. And as advisors, that helps us understand our clients a little bit better. Jennifer, thank you so much for sharing that story. As I know our listeners are going to be um, entertained by it, but also it will <laughs> maybe prompt them to think about their own journey and what are their early memories about money. And that might help them as they work through divorce and start taking charge of their finances going forward. Well, this was really fun. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you too, Jennifer. Listeners, my guest today was financial advisor, Jennifer Lee. Jennifer is the founder of Modern Wealth and the author of Squeeze the Juice, Live with Purpose, Then Leave a Legacy. Thanks for listening to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, a branded podcast from Worthy. Worthy is a selling partner you can trust to help you get the best deal possible on your diamond jewelry. Visit worthy.com to learn more and get started. If you have questions about an episode, compliments you'd like to share, or would like to be a guest, please email us at podcast at worthy.com. Follow the podcast at We Are So Worthy on Instagram or see our Facebook page, Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, for information about the show. Please see our show notes at worthy.com forward slash podcast for resources and more information about today's episode and guest. I'm your host, Mandy Walker. You can learn more about me at mandywalker.com. Huge thank yous to Worthy's production team. Listen, follow, or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen. Our next episode will be live in two weeks, so stay tuned. <laughs>